0: Welcome to the Small Bowler Podcast. My name is Trevor Reddick, and as always, I'm joined by a man who did not have his best showing in Among Us last night, Brandon Siegel. How you doing?
1: I'm doing well. Look, I knew you were going to talk about this. It it was only partially not a good showing. I had some great moments. I called you out on your your crap multiple times. Um, So, yeah, I definitely didn't have my best showing at the start, but you know what, for another day, if you're listening to this podcast and you were here... Or saw it uh you know on uh someone's stream then you know you, you you'll understand, but of course we have uh everyone's favorite member um who is a big uh dayton university fan we have of course ben o'brien ben how you doing
2: i'm uh, i'm happy to be back this week i i missed you guys last week of course i i always listen i always listen so i listened to uh to the episode last week, but of course i'd much rather be uh be here present so I can defend myself if you say something stupid like Dayton University on this podcast so (laughs) I'm glad that I'm here again to uh to check you Brandon because usually you say at least one or two (laughs) stupid things every week just so everyone
1: knows uh Ben is a big University of Dayton basketball fan Flyers fan Flyer faithful um he's actually minorly converted me to a little bit of a fan just because I've been watching Dayton basketball for three years and I haven't watched one game before that or four years excuse me um, and I guess Adam Silver messed up Opie Toppin's, uh, university. He said Dayton University instead of the University of Dayton when he was drafted. Eighth overall? I think he was eighth.
2: Yeah, eighth overall.
1: Um, so Ben's a little upset about that. Um, so that, that was the joke there if you guys did not pick that one up. Um, I personally, I think it's very reasonable. I like the ring of Dayton University. It, it works for me.
2: No, nah, it's, it's cringy. It's just, it doesn't sound right. It's not, it's not respectable. Adam Silver, I mean, like, literally he had how long to prepare for this draft he knew obi Toppin was going to be a top 10 pick and he can't even get his score right like come on adam silver come on come on man what are you doing
1: you know as trevor and i said before the podcast we love adam silver but you know what let's stick with college basketball here uh we got a good amount to talk about um the number one overall team is the gonzaga bulldogs so we're going to go over to our college basketball expert and before you say you're not an expert you're our expert trevor reddick trevor um, break down Gonzaga's, uh, you know, number one squad right now, and uh, they look pretty good. So break it down for us.
0: Yeah. So, well, yeah, high praise for sure. Um, I, I guess I'll just take it and and run with it. But yeah, so good. Gonzaga, they're the number one team. Um, they have a stacked roster. Uh, definitely some experienced players returning. They even got a couple transfers um, on their team. You got uh, Corey Kispert returning, who's very very great player, experienced player at this stage now has been on some other great Gonzaga teams. You got uh, Drew Timmy there, uh, you know, at, at, in the front court. You got a transfer, in Andrew Nemhard from Florida, who actually comes off the bench. He was one of Florida's best players last year. Uh, their starting point guard, and now he is on the bench at Gonzaga. So that is one—I think just that alone said can kind of tell you how good Gonzaga is. Now, Gonzaga, in their first game, played um, Kansas, who we all know Kansas. They're a college basketball powerhouse. They're good every single year. And uh, this year really isn't—so far, it doesn't seem to be any different. They were ranked number six uh, to start. They played Gonzaga, and they kind of just got out—completely uh, outplayed. They got beat 102 to 90. Um, so obviously, when you get— uh, when 102 points gets put on your team, obviously there are a lot of defensive issues. Um, and Gonzaga just played this game very well overall. I mean, I was like, like midway through, I, I could kind of tell like Gonzaga seems like they're gonna run away with this. I mean, Kansas at least hung in there a little bit, so maybe the 12 point uh, difference makes it seem kind of close but it really never seemed in doubt Um, as I was watching this game I was flipping back and forth between this game and uh, the West Virginia game and um, when I was watching this game there were just some different things that stood out to me number one is uh, one of their great freshmen that they have Jalen Suggs is an absolute monster he had 24 points in this game I believe eight rebounds Um, and so he is there's a good chance he's a one-and-done prospect very talented player Um, can do a lot of different things. So he stood out to me. And then just, again, the experience they have combined with the talent. Because usually Gonzaga, they're always a team who... You know, they don't have a ton of, like, one-and-done players. It's pretty rare that they ever do. Usually it's, like, very experienced players that are developed and they're very talented, but they stay longer than, you know, other programs such as Duke-Kentucky when all of their very talented players, usually one-and-done, maybe two-and-done. Usually it's not the case, but now they have, like, a perfect mixture of very talented, uh, like, young players and very experienced upperclassmen as well, which makes them – uh, kind of a college basketball juggernaut in the way that we did not see last year. The year before, maybe you argue Duke um, was a little bit that way, but this Gonzaga team is, could be one of the better college basketball teams um, that we see. Now, obviously, it's very early. We don't know for sure yet, but they have looked very good in uh, the first couple games. They also destroyed Auburn uh, pretty easily. Now, Auburn lost some players. They're not quite as good, but nevertheless, um, just completely destroyed them and so gonzaga clearly the number one team right now And it's going to be interesting to see how they uh look in the next few games because they play a really tough schedule they play west virginia who is currently ranked 15th um i believe they play baylor and they have a few other tough games as well so gonzaga is looking very good
1: uh do you guys have any thoughts about gonzaga I actually, I have a question uh, for you about Gonzaga. You know, we see like Jalen Suggs who signed with them, and we really haven't seen these like super, super, super high recruits going to Gonzaga. It's definitely more of a trend um, to go there, and I think it's a great school to play basketball at. They've produced a lot of great products uh, to the NBA and to professional basketball. My question to you, Trevor, is do you think that Gonzaga is slowly turning into one of those schools that's just going to be getting, you know, these, you know, four top 100 prospects every single year and riding them to the end? Um, and, you know, hopefully being enough like a Duke and North Carolina a Kansas. Do you think they're they're getting towards that blue blood status, or do you think they're going to kind of continue? You know, obviously everyone wants to get these good transfers, but it does seem like they keep these players a while. It's not just one-and-done, two-and-dones, like you said. Do you think that they're transitioning more to, towards where Duke and North Carolina is, or do you think they're going to continue um, on their path that they were at, you know, four or five years ago?
0: Yeah, so I, I think the biggest um, indicator is when you have – um, players from that school get drafted highly. So in the past couple years, we saw Brandon Clark get drafted in the first round. We saw mm-hmm. Rui Hachimura get drafted highly. And when you have players that get drafted in the first round, whether it's lottery or even just late first round, that usually helps with recruiting in future years. Even if you don't have like even if you don't have coaches that are like known for their recruiting, that's just like a thing that you have right off the bat that kind of helps you recruit in future years. So yes, I do think that it's trending in the right direction for Gonzaga as far as recruiting and that's dangerous for other teams because um if if they are like already known for having like a very good program mark few is one of the best coaches in college basketball Um, and now they're also getting like some of the most talented players in the country that is uh that's dangerous so yeah i would say that yes they are going to start um it's trending in the direction of getting more and more talented players i think for gonzaga which is very good for them
1: Yes, hundred percent. So Ben, I'm I'm gonna move this over to you. We're gonna we're gonna switch topics here. We got, uh, probably one of my favorite college basketball games that has ever happened. We have Bowling Green versus Michigan, my two favorite college basketball teams. So I, I don't know if you caught the whole game. I know you got at least a little bit. What were some of your thoughts on from both sides of the ball? Um, what were some of your thoughts on both teams?
2: So anytime you have um a school like bowling green playing a school like michigan i mean it's no secret michigan is obviously the clear winner or the clear favorite i should say they don't always win we know that they're a clear favorite um and as a fan of the bowling green falcons i i think the goal here is to have a good showing right you don't want to get blown out the worst thing i think that could happen in a situation where bowling green is in playing at a powerhouse like michigan is that you get blown out from the very beginning you're down 20 points five minutes in and then the rest of the game is just kind of eh. Like, you want to have a competitive game. You want to be in situations where you have a chance to win down the line because it's good experience for a team like Bowling Green against these players that are, frankly, just better than them on on the Michigan side of the ball. And Michigan era, Bowling Green did that. Excuse me. Bowling Green did that. They stayed competitive pretty much the whole game. I mean, ultimately, they lost by 14 points, but it really was a fairly close game throughout. So I'm extremely happy with the way Bowling Green looked. I thought they looked really good, obviously, Justin Turner is the man. He's the best player on the team. At times, it looked like he was the best player on the court. Um, that's no secret. We know that. He was highly sought out um, from all these different powerhouse schools when he said he was going to transfer, and thankfully, he came back to Bowling Green. So he looked great. Daquan Plowden did his thing. He looked really good. Those are the two best players on the team. Um, I was happy with their overall performance. I thought, uh, defensively, obviously, they have issues, but when you play a team that's ranked 25th in the country in Michigan with a fantastic coach like Juwan Howard, you're going to have uh, problems defensively just because, like I said, Michigan's a better team. They have better basketball players in general. Um, so, I mean, from from a Bowling Green perspective, I'm extremely happy. I thought they looked uh, really good. I thought fundamentally they looked pretty good. They passed the ball well. Obviously, like I said, defensively at times they broke down a little bit. But against a team like Michigan, it's going to happen. You kind of just have to roll with that and hopefully make the most of it. And, and in my opinion, I think I do think they made the most of it. Um, from Michigan side of the ball, obviously they looked good. I wouldn't call them a powerhouse by any means, but I think you know, rank being ranked twenty fifth in the country is probably pretty accurate for them right now. Um, obviously, Brandon, you know way more about Michigan basketball than I do, but obviously um, they have some good players. I mean, they have that. What's the 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 German kid, Brandon, the brother of the other dude, Franz?
1: Franz yeah, Wagner. Wa-
2: yeah, Wagner. He looked good. Obviously, he looked really good. And then, was it Isaiah Livers? Is he still on the team? Isaiah yeah. Livers. He, yeah, I think, he's I think, probably their best player. I was going to say, at, at times, I think he, him and Justin Turner, I think, looked like the two best players on the court most of the time. Um, with Isaiah Livers obviously being the best player on Michigan, I think, throughout the game. So Michigan looked good. I mean, they looked really good. I think they'll be competitive in the Big Ten, which, as we all know, is an extremely, extremely uh, good college basketball conference. And it might be the best conference in college basketball this coming season. We'll see. So, um, to sum it up like I said, Bowling Green, I was happy with their performance. Obviously it's a loss, that's never good, but when you can go to Michigan, hopefully collect a nice check for the athletic department and be on your way with a with a good showing. Uh, I'm never going to be too upset about that.
1: So I, I kind of have two, two uh, I'm going to make several points on both teams. It's weird. I actually thought both teams looked good for for what they are. You know, Bowling Green's not going to beat Michigan. There's a huge talent gap. I think Michigan has if I count correctly, 9 or no, 8 guys that are above four-star status coming in, um, at least four stars, and if I count correctly, I believe Bowling Green has one guy that is a three-star and up, so there's obviously a huge talent gap, we know this, okay, um, so they're not gonna, they're not gonna beat Michigan unless Michigan has this, you know, just atrocious game, um, Trevor made a point that Michigan played really good team basketball, and I kind of want to, he made this point off the podcast, but I kind of want to comment on that a little bit, I think they did play really great team basketball, and if you look at Michigan's basketball team, they are really, really, really deep, Um, In fact, I would say this is one of the deepest uh, college basketball teams in America. I mean, they have 10 guys I think that can legitimately start or play for the team um, and are not liabilities in any sense. So I'm I'm excited to see Michigan like down the stretch in close games. I I think that's gonna gonna be where they excel, just because they have ten guys that really really can play. I mean they had they had two guys that went in double figures off their bench, uh, Hunter Dickinson and Shawnee Brown, uh, eleven and nineteen points respectively. Um, And they had five guys, they had six guys above nine points. So you know I think it's it's an impressive showing overall from both teams. If you look at Bowling Green, um, you know the, the the bright spots, you have two really good players. You got DaQuan Platten. You got Justin Turner. Both players are gonna excel for the team. Trey Diggs was on his mark today. The one kind of thing that I, I'm nervous about is they need to have that third guy, and I don't know who that is. You know, uh, I think you guys would agree with me. They they right now don't have that third guy. Like a Dylan Fry, of course, podcast alum. Um, you know, in the in the past, yeah. uh, Dylan probably wasn't the third guy. He was if not number one, number two. Um, but they don't have, uh, you know, three guys I think that can really be go-to guys like they did last year, and that I think is going to be tough, you know, down the stretch in games when they need, you know, these guys to have a ball. And if a team has two good defenders, who's going to be the guy taking the shot? Um, so I'm a little bit nervous about that. Trevor, what are some of your thoughts of this game? Because I think you'll be able to break it down a little more.
0: Yeah, so, unfortunately, I didn't get to watch this game live. Uh, I was working, but I did catch, like, a lot of different highlight videos. Fortunately, there were uh, some YouTube videos that had very extensive highlights that I could watch, so I was very happy about that. Um, So, obviously, scoreline 96 to 82, Michigan 1. Now, from the BG side, um, obviously, you know, anyone who's not a freshman or a transfer, I know a lot more about. And it was kind of like, okay, I know what Justin Turner's going to do. He's obviously going to do his thing. Um, he's going to score. He's going to be just the team leader, and when you need a bucket, he's going to be able to get you that bucket. Um, and then a lot of occasions he did when, they, when Michigan seemed to maybe starting to take You know started to distance the lead like you would stop the bleeding or you would see plowden as well another player who obviously in the past year or two has become very reliable as well not just as a defensive option which we know how great plowden's defensive is defenses but also offensively i mean uh I, i saw a couple occasions where he hit that top of the key three and that's something that he's become really consistent at um in the past couple years and it's it's really dangerous. Like if Plowden he does so many different things well. He's very versatile. Um, obviously, having watched watching him throughout his whole career, if he can hit that three consistently, which I mean, he was four, He hit two out of five. He's forty percent, pretty pretty darn good. Um, Fifteen points total. That can be very dangerous for um, opposing teams in the MAC, especially. So we know those two guys very reliable. We know what they're gonna do. Now on the other side of it. I think one of the things that stood out to me in this game that really hurt BG was the size of Michigan. I mean, you have uh, Hunter Dickinson coming off the bench, who's a very great recruit as a freshman, and we really have no one that can guard him. I mean, you have Swingle, who, yes, he's very strong, he's big, he can, you know, at times handle himself in the post, but if, you know, you pull him away from the basket enough, it's going to be hard for him uh to kind of keep up with some of the lateral quickness isn't um quite as fast as it needs to be it's not quite there and then if you're going to put plowden on like a dickinson or someone like that he's not as big as those guys you know he's more of a four obviously he you know he's not as big as those guys so it's going to be tough for him he obviously is very active he's a great defender but as far as guarding fives on power conference teams it's not really the best option it's not really what you want and then I also was interested to see um, the freshman play. So we got to see Caden uh, Matheny play a lot, um, a freshman who I know um, the coaches have been a lot of, have been very excited about, um, and I also just from like watching some highlights, I was like, this kid can be really good. Um, and I think offensively, he certainly um, was in high school, and I think he showed a few signs of like, okay, like if he can be, you know, kind of create off the dribble. Um, drive and kick. We didn't see him make any threes in this game, but we did see on Saturday in the game, um, he had a pretty good scoring outing against South Carolina State. Um, so that's that's good to see from Caden. Obviously, he is smaller, so you do worry on defense. Okay, like if he's going against some of these bigger guards like an Eli Brooks or um, you know some, any other power conference team, it's going to be tough for him to Um, You know, be able to guard those bigger guards. So that's something that hurt them. And I just saw so many occasions where uh, it seemed like BG on defense seemed to get out of position in transition in half court. Um, I saw a few over-the-top passes. There was one where Trey Diggs was on uh, Franz Wagner. He kind of did a back cut in. They just threw it over the top. It was an easy basket. So those are definitely things you want to get rid of if you're BG. You don't want those things to be happening. And I'm sure... Those are things they're going to be talking about. On offense, they played well. I mean, scoring 82 points against a Michigan team who's very experienced, four seniors, that's something to be happy about. Um, Mm -hmm. Maybe you want to convert more of your twos, one of the issues they had last year. But overall, good offensively, defensively, uh, definitely some issues that they need to work on. And I haven't even got the Michigan. I'll just make the Michigan side of it quick. I was really impressed with Michigan, their team basketball, You know, always finding the right pass. Again, four seniors. I think Michigan is underrated based on their ranking 25 I think is low based on right now what we saw from them because with four seniors a lot of these teams that have like younger teams they have some catching up to do to me Michigan's already like as of now like a top 15 maybe even top 10 team although the one drawback is that they don't have that that one star like livers is the closest thing but they don't have anyone that really stands out on the page. Like Illinois has Io DeSumo, Sumo, Iowa's Luca Garza, and you can go with other top teams. They all have a star. Michigan doesn't have that.
1: Yeah, no, I I do agree with that. It's definitely gonna be a little bit tough, um, you know, because they don't have that, you know, just that one true guy. Uh, livers is close, but you know what? We'll see. Let's move on to our final college basketball topic today, um, and that is Luca Garza. Um. So, Trevor, heading back over to college basketball expert. Let's let's talk a little bit about him.
0: Yeah. So, Luca Garza, um, is he had an insane stat line. He had thirty six points in in one half. In one half, he he shot fourteen of fourteen. Finished with forty one points. But this was just uh, insane. Um, they weren't playing great competition, but nevertheless, when you put up thirty six points and a half, I mean, that's something that I've. I don't think I've ever seen in a college basketball game live. It's, it, I mean, it's happened before, but I've personally never seen it, so it was very um, crazy uh, to see that. They did it against Southern. Again, not not a good team, obviously. But, again, it's it's just crazy to see. And Luca Garza, he definitely is the favorite to win um, all of the Player of the Year awards, basically. Um, and it's just going to be interesting to see what he does. Again, like Iowa, they're a team I was skeptical about. Like, eh, should they really be ranked number five? And I'm still a little skeptical about it, but we're going to see, regardless, Luka Garza is going to have uh, a fantastic year, and he deserves to be the
1: favorite for Player of the Year awards. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. So, uh, Ben, I'll throw it over to you so we can wrap up Khan basketball. Any lasting thoughts on Luka Garza? I know he's not your favorite player.
2: No, I mean he—he's he, a phenomenal player. There's a reason why he's the uh, the the preseason player of the year because he was the second best player last year, and he's the best player in or he's the, the of the returning people on that list. He's the best player. Um, so I mean, there's a reason why he is thought of as the best player in college basketball. He showed that on Friday. I mean, he was amazing. Thirty-six points and a half is is ridiculous. Um, like Trevor said, obviously it's happened, but I can't remember. I mean, I remember what's his face, uh, Anthony Edwards scored like thirty and a half last year, I think, but thirty six and mm-hmm. a half is crazy. And yeah, like Trevor said, I mean, he finished with forty one points. He shot, I mean, he shot ten free throws, ten of twelve from the free throw line. And typically, big men aren't that great at free throws either. So that's ten easy points right there from the free throw line. Um, I mean, he's he's a phenomenal player, and like I said, he's in the Big Ten, which is probably the best uh, conference in college basketball this year. So I'm extremely excited to watch him play against. Uh, these really good teams in in the Big Ten, like a Wisconsin or like a Michigan or like an Ohio State, like a Michigan State. Uh, I'm excited. I think it's going to be a really fun year to watch Luca Garza do his thing against these really uh, these really powerful teams.
1: Hundred percent. Okay, so uh, obviously today we have a little bit of an uncharacteristic episode. We had no small talk, um, but we will stick with our small talk trivia and randomly rank. So next we will go to our trivia segment. Um, right? What's the score right now, Trevor? Score is thirty-seven to thirty-three. Okay, okay, awesome. Um, so, I, you know, Tr- Trevor, who do you want to go first? You want me to go first or you want to go first today? Uh, I don't
0: know, Ben. Flip it. Ben, you decide.
2: Um, I'll have Trevor go first.
0: All right. Sounds good with me. Okay, so right now in the NFL, it seems like Patrick Mahomes is, I, I think, pr- a pretty clear favorite to win the MVP at this stage. It, you know, it's possible someone else could sneak in there, maybe Kyle or Aaron Rodgers, but... Mahomes is the favorite. I I would imagine that he probably will win. He currently has 27 touchdowns and two interceptions in 10 games played. The Chiefs are 9 and 1. So, my question is going to be based around uh touchdown to interception ratio. So, Mahomes 27 touchdowns and two interceptions so far. Now, there are only there are only three other quarterbacks. I mean, Mahomes hasn't completed a full season, so he's not You can't say that he's part of this group. But there are three quarterbacks that have at least 25 touchdowns and only two interceptions exactly. So they have two interceptions exactly, and they have at least 25 touchdowns. Now, one of them is Tom Brady. He has 28 touchdowns and only two interceptions, which is the greatest touchdown-interception ratio um, of all time, or since it was started recording. Uh, So I want you to name the other two players the other two quarterbacks who also have thrown for at least 25 touchdowns in a season with only two touchdowns so i'm giving you an opportunity for two, two
1: interceptions you mean
0: yeah oh yeah yeah two interceptions so two interceptions and at least 25 touchdowns there are two players so you have an opportunity to get two points here
1: okay so here's the thing when you said when you said um how many players? Three players. Yeah, he said.
0: So Tom Brady's one of them. I took that off the board. I'm giving an opportunity for the other two.
1: And they only had two interceptions.
0: Yeah, on on the whole in the whole season.
1: Oh, this is difficult. I I thought I knew one of them, which was Tom Brady, and then I thought maybe Lamar, but I think Lamar had he didn't have a lot of interceptions last season, but he definitely had more than two. I think if I remember correctly, he had like. I don't know. I don't remember how many he had. But I I don't think it was two. And he had 36 touchdowns. I just don't remember how many interceptions he had off the top of my head last year. So, knows, less than two touchdowns. I mean, I feel like... Manning might not be a bad guy. I mean, it's going to be a guess. Tom Brady would have been the only answer that I thought. Like, for sure. I will say... I will say... Peyton Manning and Montana. Those would be my final answers. Those are your final answers? Peyton Manning and yeah. Montana? Yeah, if I get one... Wait, this is just one point.
0: Okay. It, well, it's, correct. You can get two points but if, you get, if you get two both of them, right? You get two. If you get one, you get okay. one point. So
1: okay.
0: those are your final answers. Yep. Yeah. Okay, so neither of those are correct. I thought you would at least mm-hmm. get one. Now, the correct answers are Aaron Rodgers, who had 25 touchdowns and two interceptions in 2018. I thought that's, that's the one I thought you'd mm-hmm. get. The other one is surprising. It's Nick Foles. Nick Foles had 27 touchdowns and two interceptions in 2013 for the Eagles. So those are the answers.
1: Interesting. I would not have gotten that at all. Okay. So, my question is a college basketball, or excuse me, college football question. It was given, of course, by Ben O'Brien, who gives me all my questions pretty much at this point. Um, So, here we go. It is, who, so this is, you're going to, the answer is a team. And honestly, if you can guess the amount of games, I'll give you another point. So, it's a potential two-point question. Who was, what team has scored at least 24 points in the most consecutive games, and how many games?
0: Wow, okay.
1: That's the question. What team has scored at least 24 points in the most consecutive games in college football?
0: Okay, so... Tw- at least 24 points in the most consecutive games. Wow, okay. So, <laughs> where do I start with this one? Um, I, I guess you just have to think about I mean you could just think about really good teams I guess historically or you could I mean or you could specifically go like high scoring teams I think more often like great teams is probably the way to go now this is very tough it's obviously you have many years to go through to kind of think about this so if I don't know if I could get is could I like get any kind of hint as far as like is this like within our lifetime or I don't know if I can get any of that or not but
1: um, I believe it is during our
0: lifetime.
2: Trevor, this is an active. This is an active streak. This is still going okay, on. Okay, it is an active streak.
0: Oh, it's an active streak.
2: Yeah, this is active. I looked it up last week. They scored thirty-one points. I think if that gives you any sort of hint.
0: Oh. Okay, it's an active streak. Okay. Mhm. So. With that being said. Um, I think like. I'm trying to think. Alabama probably could be an I mean Alabama's an option, right? It could be Alabama. That's that's a potential option.
1: I mean, they are they are a college football team, yeah. so an option.
0: <laughs> and they've also been very good. So Alabama's an option. Um Clemson is an option. Um I'm trying to think of how far this would go back. I, I, I certainly think like Alabama Clemson, you have Ohio State, you have uh maybe Georgia, maybe Oklahoma, maybe I don't know, I think those are all good options. Um LSU and eh, maybe not LSU actually. Um but yeah, those teams I mentioned are probably all good ones. So that narrows it down I think. Unless it's like some sort of team that's not Power Five, but I don't think that's the case. Um and I'm not even really sure who that would be. Uh like Central Florida has had good teams, but I don't I don't know if they'd have this streak so, this is going to be a... Not that it's shot in the dark, because the hint certainly narrowed it down a little bit. Um, but it's going to be a guess, regardless of who I okay. pick. Um, I don't know. I think I'm going to go with, like, maybe more of a safe answer here. And okay. I'm going to say that the answer is Clemson. Because there's a chance that Alabama... Would have had like a low-scoring SEC game where they like against LSU or something where they didn't have 24. So I think Clemson's a safer answer. So I'm gonna go Clemson.
1: Okay, so oh wait, do you have a, a guess at the number of games? Um, I said that it's also right. So you can get a point for that.
0: Yeah, shot in the dark. Um, I'll go. Let's see. They've been good for at least four or five years. I'll say like I don't know 48. That's a random okay. number, but
1: not bad guesses collectively. Uh, both are incorrect. So I actually got the correct answer when, when Ben told me the question. Uh, the correct answer is Oklahoma, and it's actually 62 games. I thought you would at least guess Big 12 because they score so many points.
0: Yeah, I mean Oklahoma um, was an option. I just I don't know. I yeah, that makes sense. I just went safe. Well, correct,
1: they are an option. <laughs> they' they're, they're one of the, the basketball I teams.
0: I, but like so Oklahoma, even when they played, so 62, so that means, well, I guess they did score 24 against Alabama that in that cultural playoff game. They ended up doing that. so
1: yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's go on over um, to the NFL. We got a couple NFL topics to talk about. So one really big thing um, we have uh, is of course my Ravens. Now he, I, I have many comments on the Baltimore Ravens. A couple weeks ago the ben you know what an avalanche is right
2: i'm familiar with the term yes
1: yes yeah it starts off kind of small and then it builds up and then it just is catastrophic that that's that's kind of what's happening with the raven season you know first we just had a lot of starters out a lot of big injuries uh, Nick Boyle, Ronnie Stanley, Tyreek Phillips was out for a little while. Uh, Lamar clearly not playing nearly as well as he did last year. Hollywood Brown is tweeting things but uh, can't get open at all, ever. Um, so, you know, we, we, we've we been struggling a little bit on the Baltimore Ravens. And then, this past week, the wildest thing happened. Everyone got COVID on the team. Just pretty much everyone. They're now up to, like, 20 players on the, uh, the COVID list, I think 11 have tested positive, or maybe 12. Um, at least 11, it says here. Um, there's been 10 staffers tested positive. Um, the game's been moved from you know Thanksgiving Day to Sunday, and now on Tuesday. The likelihood of this game isn't happening. We see um, the Steelers having a little bit of an outbreak. All the quarterbacks on Denver are hurt. Um, and a lot's going on with COVID in the NFL. We were bound to have these issues they're not bubbled like the NBA It would be almost impossible to bubble them at this current state but we have a lot of issues so Trevor i want to throw it over to you what are some you of your thoughts on this um, outbreak among the Ravens and among a couple other teams definitely among the Ravens it's definitely biggest among the Ravens
0: yeah I mean it obviously it sucks you know like I thought that this type of thing honestly might have happened earlier and it didn't I, so I think it's like, it's, it was a little surprising that it didn't happen until now, um, in my opinion. So now that it has happened, um, it, it's really unfortunate. There's not like a ton else I can say. I mean, as far as like the solution to it, it it's it's very, it's very tough to know what to do from here. Like, my guess is they'll probably just try to keep going forward. And um, it may get worse, it may not. Like, it's... It's really difficult, my guess is that's what they'll probably do um you know, there's been like some people talking about, oh, well, you can just pause it well that no, that definitely wouldn't work because how how is it all of a sudden gonna get better in a couple weeks or a month like i don't I don't think that's the way to go um, doesn't really make sense. I mean, if you say, oh, we'll, we'll pause it for like a week and we'll take time to like and reset, I don't know it it just uh, that doesn't seem like. A great option because I don't I don't really envision how it could get any better if you just pause it um so it's tough obviously canceling no one wants to do that uh I don't see that as something that they would really consider that heavily unless it gets like just completely out of hand um so I don't know it, it just really sucks right like I don't I don't have a lot of other things uh to say about it like I have you know some like a possible option that I think they could do it's I haven't thought about it enough, so, you know, some people might think it would be a little ridiculous, but, I mean, one one thing, and they're not going to do this, but one thing is they could do is they could straight up, and, and it would be very hard to make this happen, so I'm not even saying, like, we should do this, I'm just saying, like, one thing that, one random option that they could do is they could say, alright, the regular season's over, we're advancing to the playoffs, And we're going to expand to eight teams. We're going to do eight teams in each conference. We're just going to say, no, no seven teams. We're going to do eight teams in each conference. You make the playoffs. Whatever the standings are now, those eight teams in each conference, you're making the playoffs. And we just uh, wait until when the playoffs would normally start, so January. And we do get some sort of, not a bubble maybe, but we get something that's like some sort of middle ground that's closer to a bubble that would make it safer Uh, in January. So it would give you, like, a month or so to plan it out. Um, And it could work. I don't know. Just an idea I had. By no means could, am I sure that that would work. Just a thought.
1: So I don't see them ever, like, stopping the season right now. I will say the one good thing with the NFL is they've had no canceled games. They've had to move games around, but we're 12 weeks in and there's been no canceled games. It it seems like this might be the end here, Um, you know, It might be it in terms of canceling games. You know, it seems like the Ravens-Steelers game will probably be canceled. The question is, how do they treat this game? Do they slap it on the end of the season and give everyone, you know, one more week? Because the thing is, is the season is flexible. There's no fans at most of the games. Um, And if there are, it doesn't really matter. Like, the Super Bowl um, is going to have no fans at it. They can just keep on moving the playoffs back. You know, in in a normal year, it's a little bit different because people book hotel reservations and stuff, and moving the Super Bowl would be a mess. But since, you know, there's not going to be any fans there, they can, they're, and they're, they'll bubble them for the, for the Super Bowl and probably for those, those upper playoff games, I'd imagine, too. They'll bubble them. You know, especially for the Super Bowl, because they have, they'll have many weeks to, you know, completely quarantine and stuff and, you know, do their thing. There, I highly doubt the Super Bowl will be any issue. It's a question of right now and canceling games and how do they move it around. You know, the Ravens uh, and Steelers, I think, are now both past their buys. So, you know, how, how do we move forward Uh, where you can't move the games to a bye. That's going to be kind of the big question. Uh, Ben, any last thoughts before we kind of move on from this topic?
2: Yeah, so the season's going to finish. I'm not worried about the season not finishing. I I strongly think the season's going to finish. There's going to be a a Super Bowl champion um, at the end of the season. When is that going to happen? I have no idea. You just said, Brandon, we don't really know. And, like, I agree with you. I think there's flexibility um, because – like you said, there's no fans, so you you can theoretically. It's not ideal, but you can shift dates and shift locations and stuff like that if you have to. Obviously, it's not ideal, but none of this is ideal, um, but it can be done. Um, it it's just. I mean, the whole thing with the Ravens this week and these last couple weeks, it just shows like. Obviously, people are doing like there's a lot of these there's a lot of these steps and precautions and procedures in place, but you really unless you have a bubble, you really can't completely stop this virus like it's extremely contagious we've seen that um there's really only so much you can do and the nfl just kind of has they kind of just have to accept that and say obviously they can change things they can enhance precautions stuff like that they can cancel things but if you're going to have a season with no bubble it's going to happen and they knew this was going to happen maybe not an outbreak in a team like the ravens but you knew there was going to have to be things moved around um you knew stuff like this was going to happen facilities are going to be closed down throughout the week it just kind of comes with with having a season this year because ultimately it's still um, for these players, it's it's still worth having a season, even if you have to play a game on a Tuesday or something like that. Um, these players still want to play, so it, it kind of just comes with the territory. Um, but like I said, the season's it's going to finish. I'm not worried about that. I, I don't know how it's going to look, but I do think it's going to ha- it's going to finish. We are going to ha- we are going to have a playoffs and we're going to have a Super Bowl champion. Um, so the season in jeopardy. I wouldn't necessarily call it in jeopardy. I do think that there's some issues that the NFL has to figure out and there's some things that they probably have to enhance and some procedures that they probably need to tweak a little bit but i do think the season's going to happen i wouldn't necessarily call it in jeopardy i think there's some things that are at risk but i wouldn't say that the season in the whole is, is in jeopardy i, I do think it's going to finish i'm fairly confident um, about that
1: yeah it's definitely going to be interesting to see you know kind of where they end up uh placing this game because if if there is positive test by the Ravens tomorrow the game will be at least move, but I think it'll be canceled and uh, you know postponed to a way later date. We'll have to see see what the NFL does. But let's move on. You know something we haven't talked about in a while is our team draft, which we did so many episodes ago. I don't even know it had to be you know at least like twelve or thirteen episodes ago. Um, so Ben, why don't you give a little update for the people on just list our teams and how many points they have? So basically, for those who weren't there, we did a draft. Um, we drafted thirty teams, ten each of us, I believe. Isn't isn't that? I think it was ten each. Yes, and, um, basically we're counting their wins. So whoever has the most wins among your team at the end of the year, uh, wins. You know the, the the draft. So I thought we'd give you guys a little update because I believe we did this on we did this on an episode, right? I think we did. Yeah,
0: right before the season.
1: Yes. Um, and I will say before we say the leaderboard, uh, Ben and I refused to draft the Steelers and the Browns. So that might have hurt us a little bit. Um, but I could promise you I wasn't you know giving up my. Morals to to draft those two teams. So Ben, why don't you lead, uh, read off the all the teams that we
2: each one of us has in the leaderboard? Okay, so you want me to go through each team that that we have, each teams that we you have. You don't have
1: to necessarily say the record, just so they know. Yeah, I'm teams aware. We
2: I got gotcha. you. All right, so I'll start with my team. Um, so I have the Ravens, the 49ers, the Seahawks, the Packers, the Eagles, the Chargers, the Bengals. Shout out Houday, The Panthers, the Lions, and the Dolphins. All right. So my team clearly isn't that good. And obviously, like, I picked the 49ers with my second pick. That didn't work out. They're 4-6. And, and even the Ravens with my first pick, 6-4, and four, not looking too good. So I'm sitting at 45 points. So I'm in third place. I'm in last place as of right now. I'm sitting at 45 wins, I guess you could say, between these 10 teams. In um, second place, we have Brandon's team. And he has the Chiefs, his best team, 9-1. and one. Then we have the Bills, the Vikings, the Colts, the Texans, the Falcons, the Broncos, the Raiders, the Chicago Bears and Brandon's last pick. Can't believe he actually picked this team. The New York Jets at 0 10. So Brandon's sitting with 49 wins total. So he's in second place, four above me. 49 wins total as of last week. We were tied. Brandon, uh, he got five wins in the last week. I got one. So Brandon's in second place now. And in first place by a decent amount is Trevor's team. Trevor, uh, when you read off, when I read off his teams, you'll see why he's in first place because he's got a really good uh, lineup here. He's got the Saints, the Cowboys, the Tennessee Titans. The Buccaneers, the Patriots, Rams, Steelers, Cardinals, Browns with his ninth pick. His ninth pick has seven wins. And then his last pick is the New York Giants at three and eight. So he's sitting at 59 wins. So Trevor's got a 10-point lead on you, Brandon. He's got a 14-point lead on me. Um, And honestly, the way things are going, I I don't really see Trevor uh, giving up this lead anytime soon because I think the Saints are probably going to keep winning. I think the Titans are going to be a good team. Obviously, the Steelers... They have an easy schedule, so they're going to win a good amount of games. And even the Browns will probably win a couple more games. So um, I think, Brandon, I think us not drafting the Steelers and the Browns ultimately is probably going to be the difference in this uh, in this competition right yeah. here.
1: And I, I just want to point out, Ben, I know you're with me on this. I would do it every single time. I oh, would yeah. do it again.
2: I regret absolutely yeah,
1: nothing. 100%. So Trevor, congrats <laughs> on your early potential win. I highly doubt we're going to catch up. But let's go to our last segment of today. Um, we're going to talk about Matt Patricia, who was fired um from the lions probably i would say finally um i mm. mean it's probably been a little longer than he been he should have been fired probably a little bit earlier um i i've never thought of him as being that great of a coach they seem to have blown a lot of pretty decent leads and i think it was probably his time to go but trevor i'm gonna pass it over to you to start any thoughts on matt patricia
0: yeah, so Matt Patricia, obviously part of the Belichick coaching tree. Um, and, you know, we, we've had some success with other coaches. Brian Flores doing a very good job with the Miami Dolphins. Um, you know, and, we, and we've seen other coaches, you know, part of this coaching tree who have succeeded. Matt Patricia has not succeeded this year with the Lions. Um, and it's, you know, it, I don't I haven't watched a ton of Lions games, so it's it's hard to really know exactly. Uh, what are the main reasons for them not succeeding? Obviously, you know, I don't think, to begin with, they were ever supposed to be, like, this amazing team this year. They're 4-7 and seven on the year. I'm not incredibly surprised by that. I mean, they do have, like, Matthew Stafford. They have um, they have some good, like, uh, or at least decent weapons on offense, like TJ Hawkinson, very good tight end. Like, they have, like, it seems like a decent team, so maybe they are underachieving at least a little bit. But I'm not... Completely surprised by this. Um, I think, based on how they've been doing, and like you said, maybe if they've blown a lead or two. Um, I know that Bears game was bad in week one. Uh, that was like a, a really bad one, and then just some of their losses have not been good. They scored zero points against Carolina Panthers a couple of weeks ago, um, and then they just got destroyed by the Texans um, on Thanksgiving, who is not a very good team. So. I think this was kind of expected. It seemed like a lot of people were talking about, yeah, it's only a matter of time until Matt Patricia's fired, um, and, and now he is. So I think he'll probably get another coaching – I mean, almost certainly I think he'll get another coaching job somewhere. So it'll be interesting to see where he lands. Obviously, if you have, like, I don't know, maybe like the Jets, if, if their coach gets fired, which, I mean, I think that's also a matter of time. Maybe that's an opening he could fill. And there's, there's other places, I'm sure, with coaches underachieving. So – It'll be interesting to see where he goes, um, but yeah, that's that's about all I have to say.
1: Yeah, it was time for Patricia to go. Uh, four and seven on the year. He's only won thirteen games as a whole, uh, and he's lost twenty nine. So it, it, it really not that great in terms of his head coaching career. He'll definitely be in a job soon. All head coaches do they'll find a job. I'm, I'm not that concerned about that. Uh, ben, any last thoughts on Matt Patricia before we wrap up the episode today?
2: Yeah, so I mean he's in his third season with the Lions. Like you said, Brandon, he's he's been there. I, I was thinking it was his second year, but he's been there. This is his third year, and like you said, his record was 13-29-1. So obviously, I mean, I, I, there's a reason why he was fired. I, I understand it. Um, the Lions are one of these franchises that I ultimately feel bad for. And as a Bengals fan, there's very few franchises that I feel bad for, and the Lions are one of them because they really have never done anything. Um, and they have a lot of work to do because, like you said, Brandon, they, they they like to give up leads. They really don't know how to hold a fourth-quarter lead. Um, they really haven't had a, any success in recent history. They've been to a couple playoff games, but they typically lose those. Um, and Matt Patricia is one of those ones where, when he got hired in 2018, I actually thought it was a good hire. Um, I, I was thinking like, obviously he comes from Belichick. He was a great defensive coordinator with with the Patriots. I, I thought it was a good hire. I really thought it would, he'd do a decent job for the the Lions. Obviously, like I said, the Lions as a franchise, it's kind of hard for a coach to be. Phenomenal like you're not going to take the Lions to a, a 14 and 2 13 and 3 season um, I just don't see it happening really anytime soon So I thought it was a decent hire and as the years went on I just he really just didn't Show any really promise for them um, Obviously when, he, when they hired him they were in a rebuild and they really haven't done anything since So I completely understand the uh, the decision I get it if they, they uh, fired the GM as well Why not got to move in a new direction the Lions really um, They got nothing to lose at this point they're not a good team this year um so I, I totally understand the decision. I I'm, I'm all for it. I, I agree with the uh with the decision to kinda of start over, flush some people out and let's try to rebuild something here that we can, you know, see progress mm-hmm. here in the next couple of years.
1: A hundred percent. So I I think we'll wrap our episode up uh here for today. Thank you all so much for listening. We really, really appreciate it as always. Um, we, we, I don't even remember how many downloads we're up to. Are we up to how many? What was the we got like past five thousand or something, which is crazy to think about. Uh, you know, through eighty-two episodes now here, or something like that. Um, please subscribe to the podcast on all platforms. Um, you know, wherever it is, hit that subscribe button, leave that five-star review if you liked. You know, the content you heard today, and of course, follow us on Twitter. The link is in the description below. It's at the small ballers. So you know. Um, when all of our podcasts go live. We should have another episode of the 12th World Podcast on Wednesday for you at noon, so stay tuned to that. A lot of good soccer talk coming from Will and Josh, so you won't want to miss it for sure. Um, But with that being said, thank you all so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.
0: Go Falcons!